Welcome to the Let the Stray Show, your one-stop destination for intriguing conversations with extraordinary individuals who are boldly navigating life outside the conventional norms. Our host, Scott Fullerton, is thrilled to embark on this journey of discovery with all of you. The Left a Straight Show, we believe that every person's story is unique, and it's our mission to showcase the diversity of human experiences. We bring you the untold stories of fascinating people who identify as LGBT plus and allies, pushing boundaries, breaking stereotypes, and making a positive impact in our communities. On this show, we bring you a diverse lineup of inspiring guests, from activists to artists, and entrepreneurs to entertainers, and everything in between. We dive deep into their personal journeys, discovering the pivotal moment that has shaped their lives and careers. You can expect thought-provoking discussions on a wide range of topics, from LGBTQ rights, social justice to arts, culture, mental health, and more. Our guests are change makers who share their insights, challenges, and triumphs, igniting conversation that promotes empathy, understanding, and love. So whether you're part of the LGBTQ community or an ally looking to expand your knowledge and show your support, the Left to Straight show is for you. Together, we can build bridges of understanding and acceptance, celebrating the beauty of what makes us all unique. So sit back, grab a drink, and get ready for the show. Well, hey, film fans, welcome back to the Left of Straight Show interviews. As always, I'm your host, Scott Fullerton. Today in studio, I have the pleasure of welcoming two distinguished filmmakers. Zebariah Newman and Mikhail Thomas are here. They have come together to create an incredible short film titled Relighting Candles, the Tim Sullivan story. It focuses on the scourge of homeliness and drugs and how one recovering addict turned candle making into a passion and a mission to help others through service, sense, and the flickering flame of friendship, turning lives around and waxing poetic about the possibilities life can offer. Let's take a look. Hi, I'm Jason Sheeler with People Magazine, and we are here talking with the team behind Relighting Candles, the Tim Sullivan story. I'm joined by co-directors Zeb Newman and Mikhail Thomas, executive producers Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy, and of course, Tim Sullivan is here with us, of course. The film tells the story of Tim's West Hollywood Candle Shop and its life-changing holiday workshop, which gives newly sober and homeless people a chance to work and perhaps more importantly, rebuild their lives. It's a profile in community service, the power of authentic living and the grace that accompanies a second chance. So Tim, I have to start with you, of course. And, um, and I feel like we're gonna light a match, shall we say, right? I have to start with why candles? I don't know myself. It was someone who wanted to make a candle and I said, I probably can make a candle better than what you're gonna do alone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's <laughs> well and you know it, it certainly part of this story a, a beautiful story if I do say so um, is is your recovery and and what I want to hear is how did others in recovery find their way to you uh, because I attend 12-step meetings and uh, they know about my candles and I have bought in so many of these people who couldn't find jobs or anything. And I say, okay, come to the candle shop and you can clean candles. It wasn't a big, important uh, job to do, but they were able to do it beautifully. So these people kept coming and coming and coming. And over the 24 years, quite a few have come in and out of this. But... All right, welcome back. That was clips from interviews with my two very special guests today. Zebrae Newman and Mikhail Thomas are here talking about their amazing film, Relighting Candles, the Tim Sullivan story. Guys, welcome to the Left of Straight Show. How the heck are you? Good, how are you? Yeah. I am fantastic. I appreciate you coming on. Great story, great film. Uh, great careers. We're going to talk all about that and be serious for a second. But first thing first, I'm a little pissed off. How the heck can you put me after Andrew Rannells interviewing you? I mean, the guy takes a night off from his Broadway show and you guys interview. How do I follow that? I'm a little depressed about it. 
Um, you know, you're doing great. You're doing amazing. Um, you know, uh, we're very lucky that Andrew took time off to, to do this. He saw the movie and loved it. He's a friend of mine from the Late Late Show with James Corden. And I called him up and he said yes. And I mean, it was lovely. Mikhail had never met him before, so it was it was fun. No, it was, it, it was a great time. And, um, you know, and you're right right after him. So uh, we're very excited. It's like two... You know, yeah, great I'm people. a little nervous. I mean, I'm watching Zed's no, Instagram no. last night. It's like, what are with Andrew? How I, I'm tearing up all my notes. I mean, I'm doing deep dives all of a sudden. Poor Zeb, I almost looked up Levi to get him from the late night date show and everything, and tried to get. I thought I'm gonna, we're gonna have to make this little special here, but uh, we'll go ahead and get, go on to it from here. But, oh my God! Good it's... fans of you both. I like I said, um, I saw an interview with you guys earlier talking about the film and I think you guys both have some interesting personal stories and I really wanted to hear your guys' take on uh, him again and talk to you guys a bit. So welcome to the show. I always do two questions for every new guest. First one is tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you? Deb, we'll start with you. Oh, with me. Um, I grew up in upstate New York. Um, and, uh, well, that's not true. My parents, my dad was in the military and, uh, for the first few years of my life, while they were married, we moved around quite a bit, but when they divorced, when I was five, I sort of stayed in upstate New York. I was a very, very quiet, quiet kid. I have a twin sister who is, um, full of personality and sort of like just pulled me along through life and like, you know, just did everything for me, for me. And, um, I was very quiet and, uh, very observant and shy, super sensitive, super, super sensitive as a wow. kid. Um, but, um, yeah. And I, I have an, a sister who's about a year older. So, um, they sort of, these two women in my life from a very young age were sort of like bossing me around and, and making sure <laughs> that okay. so I didn't really have to say much. There you go. With older siblings, I, I, I get to be the older sibling, so I get to boss my yeah. younger brothers yeah. around. So I know what you're featuring when you're in because I know what I do. Yeah. And uh, Mikhail, tell me about you. I mean, you grew up out of the country. Talk about how you growing up and what kind of a kid were you? Far, far away in a country called Belgium, um, <laughs> in a very small town in the countryside. And um, yeah, uh, I have two older brothers. Uh, we're all two years apart. and. Um, I was very happy living in Belgium, um, a happy childhood, but I've, I've always felt like that Belgium wasn't the place for me um, to, to, you know, to live and to call home eventually. And uh, after high school, I lived for one year in Costa Rica with a, an amazing host family. And um, afterwards, I came back to Belgium, went to the film school. Um, and then uh, the plan was to come to Los Angeles, study broadcasting for one year, and then again, go back to Belgium. Um, but once I landed in Los Angeles, um, <laughs> on day one, the ride from the airport, I said, you know what, I'm here to stay. Like I, I felt it and, um, I found a community here and, um, uh, it's great. I love it out here. I love that. LA will do it to you. Like I said, I'm teasing you about New York, but it's 26 degrees here in Ohio. I know you guys are getting a little chilly oh, out there. So I'm we sure just, we were in New York last night. That's where we were just in New York and it was freezing. It was freezing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, second question I'd like to ask is that you guys are both open out, very proud filmmakers, which I love. Talk to me. Let me know, when did you first kind of come out to yourself? And where do you think you started to find your LGBTQ tribe eventually? Mikhail, you can start this. Um, well, the coming out journey was also my first year. Um when I came to LA, um, I always tell people the official reason to come to LA was to study broadcasting. The unofficial reason was actually to really find myself and that part of myself and, and um, explore that part. And um, I love sports and being gay and, and playing sports were two things that I never thought could be together. And when I came to LA, I found out there's something called a gay basketball league. I said, oh my God, what? <laughs> and um and uh i went to an open gym and it was great and and you know that's that's kind of the tribe that i found those are still my best friends till this day and um uh jo joined the league we traveled uh, across the country we played the gay games uh, internationally and it's it's been um a lot of fun and um 
so my my coming out journey went kind of and also you know after my first year my parents came to visit me and we did like a road trip in um here here in the u.s and um i came out to them during that road trip um and uh which went which went pretty smoothly um so i i kind of had no issue like well no issues is a big word but like i was accepted by my family but i could tell that people around me that wasn't really the case and i also had in 2013 i had one of my friends who um committed suicide and i know that's something that he was struggling with and that kind of sparked me into you know making documentaries and and that's how my first the idea of my first documentary came about to make something about the coming out journeys of gay athletes and 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 trans athletes to to bring understanding of you know what these people are going through to humanize them and to help uh people from preventing to happen to what happened to my friend so that's kind of a lot in a nutshell yeah that, oh man that's a lot to go through yeah yeah is that what about you um i uh i've always been gay I've, so i feel like i've always been out um i didn't really have a i mean i remember when I told my mom, it was sort of like, okay, it wasn't a big deal at all. My dad was a colonel in the military and I, um, I never, I wasn't super close to him as a child. And so I, um, but as an adult, he's super smart and, um, I, you know, I adore him and we're, we have a very close relationship, but so I've sort of always been gay and I mean, kind of accepted, you know, if I wasn't accepted, I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, and what was the other part of that question? Um, oh, I think you kind of first found your tribe. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I, um, I'm sober. And when I first came to Los Angeles, oh God, like 13 years ago, before I, I was here before when I was not sober. And but when I came here, like 13 years ago, I, you know, I have a lot of work friends. And um, I, you know, know lots of people in the industry, but my like core friends and my like core social group are just sober people. Um, I do. I'm very active. I go to a lot of meetings. I you know, I try to help as many people as I can. I, I, I serve lunch at the Midnight Mission I'll, or I'll make breakfast at a um, uh, gay and lesbian rehab called the Van Ness House. Like I'll, you know, I'm, I'm very active in that world. So th that's really my tribe. But, um, you know, I'm, I love everyone. I'm friends with everyone. But the people I'm sort of kind of like McKeel and his basketball group, the people I'm closest to are the sober ones. Right. Oh, I love that. And we're going to go into that a little more if we can later on, because that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. You're very open and honest about that. And this film kind of coalesces with that really well. Let's um, let's start with you, though, Zebraya, and talk about your career a bit. I mean, we just had World AIDS Day a couple of days ago. You've got a great film having to do with HIV AIDS. Um, talk about, let's talk about some of your background. Let's start with that. I mean, you've done a couple directing positions. Was that your second film or my, my first, my, so I, I had never had a, like a job job before. And because of someone that was sober in New York, they set me up with a meeting um, with the Ellen show. And so I flew back to California and it was terrifying because I had done a lot of drugs here and it was like returning to the scene of the crime. But I was like 28, 29. And I went in and I met the three executive producers of the Ellen show I had never like done anything and hadn't even been in an office. And um, it was one of those meetings where uh, everything clicked and we were all vibing. And I will never forget. Andy Lassner looked at me and he said, you have no qualifications. He was like, we don't even know if you know how to write a word document, but we're going to give you a shot. And they offered me a um, second assistant in the research department um, and you know, it was, I, I, my very first day, I, I didn't even know that the power button for the Mac was behind the monitor. Like I had no, I had no idea. And, um, and my boss was like 22, 23 and it was, it was an intense, a very intense time, but because of that job, I have just totally ran with, um, I was in talk with the Ellen show for six seasons and I did the Corden, uh, the late, late show with James Corden from the very beginning to the end. I did all eight seasons and I've also created a few reality shows. And then I started directing movies a few years ago. Um, and that's really sort of where my passion is, is like, you know, making, telling stories and making movies and teaming up with McKeel has just been like the, the biggest, um, 
not just like dream, but it's like an advancement in uh, in my talents because together I'm I'm a huge believer in like collaborations. Like we're better together than sometimes we are on our own. And um, sure. I um you know at Corden that was one of the the signature um, pieces of that job was it was very collaborative because if you remember all of the celebrities were on the couch together. And so right. when you were putting the segments together, you were working with other producers to create like a conversation. And um, and so I, I got very comfortable working with other people. So I know that's a lot of random information, but I do it all. <laughs> I do it all. I tell you, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm a CBS guy. So I was Craig Ferguson back in the day. Um, I watched every single one of James's shows. I mean, he was like a token gay for us all. And you were on the show three or four times in there that I saw you on camera. And, I teach you about the dating. That was pretty hilarious. Yeah, that was so hysterical. And and um, I have to say, I I was totally shocked. They do this thing called Late Late Live Tinder, where they surprise a staff. I don't know if McKeel even knows this. They surprise a staff member where all of a sudden you're like in your office or you're in the green room and cameras are on you. And then they're bringing you down to stage and you have to do a live Late Late Live Tinder game with James while he tries to find a date for you. And they had all these guys there. And the thing that was so crazy is that they were so close to us. And James is like making fun of them. You know, he's really, really making fun of these guys. And they fun. were so close to us. I was mortified because I just, I couldn't be mean to people that were like that close to me. Um, and then they picked some really cute, lovely guy named Levi. And to this day, people message me all the time. When are you and Levi gonna, <laughs> like, when are you and Levi? And I'm like, it was a TV show. I mean, he was lovely and adorable. And, um, you know, it was a super, but that one thing, I, I, if I looked in my Instagram right now, there would be people DMing me about that to this day. It's crazy. Well, I've, I've only seen the clip of um, you and Octavia Spencer, like, uh, like really quickly um on the late late show and when you were there as well like um yes. on the side but i've never seen that one i have to see that clip oh my god james also made fun of me quite a bit because i um was single through a lot of my time that was the work. best part of that clip that intro i gotta tell you i was i was dying Oh my God. He knows the, day, the security guards, the celebrities, their handlers. He was last. Never dated a security guard. But that's the thing with James. Our briefings would literally turn into like, what did you do last night? Like, and they, James and some of the other producers were intimately aware of like my dating life. <laughs> and so when he started to tease me about that, I was like, I will fucking kill you if you start talking <laughs> on this. Right? He's a dear friend. I love him and um i miss i miss those days i miss those collaborative briefings and you know hanging out in his office and putting things together and, and just trying to make people have fun and entertain them you know it was a really wonderful job and that's got to be a great juxtaposition because you're doing all this comedy style work and things and then all of a sudden you get to go in these serious topics to really explore and bring that to the forefront well, and kind of that's kind of cool I did a show called Seatbelt Psychic. I had created this show where your Uber driver is a psychic medium. So you get in thinking you're going to the airport and you do go to the airport, but you also talk to your like dead aunt or your dead grandmother. And we did two seasons of it. And I was involved in every, every bit of that show because I created it. And so in all of the production days, we would be in a follow van and I would listen to like hundreds, hundreds of stories of real people talking about like grief, regret, pain and it just it left such an intense impression upon me that real people have just such a it, the stories that real people can tell i i think are so much more relatable right like as a celebrity producer you know trying to get kim kardashian to seem funny and relatable and sell her whatever is fun but to to tell to use a real person and and connect to other people via a real regular you know everyday person it just felt so much more powerful to me and from that show the second season i took money and bought a camera and started with right to try so it was nice. kind of like one thing led to the next, to the next. And I literally went out on a lunch break, went to Sammy's camera, bought a camera, and then started filming Jeffrey for Right to Try like that night. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And Mikhail, it's almost the opposite for you. I mean, you've done mostly serious films, some amazing work. Um, I love Camille and Tim. I have good friends that live in West Hollywood still, and they knew him pretty well. Not one of those two, but that Ed Buck guy that was a Ooh. real character. 
And that was such an important film to do. And you got a million dollar smile. How do you smile after all this hard work? You're working some serious films there, my friend. I know. Um, it was a heavy film to work on. Um, but uh, a necessary movie to, to make, um, especially, you know, th that movie came about during the uh, during the pandemic, like everyone was already boiled up with frustrations. And then um, George Floyd happened and, and uh, not just George Floyd, but like so many, uh, you know, situations that amplified the Black Lives Matter movement. And I remember, um, you know, joining one of those those marches and, and asking myself, you know, how can I contribute? And um, I was looking for to to shine a light on a story. I couldn't travel because of COVID. So I thought, you know, what's 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 happening in L.A.? And I didn't have to think or research very far because I was aware of the Ed Buck story because um, Tim, who passed, he was part of the basketball community that I was part of. And so his best friends were my best friends. And um, so there was kind of an access there to, you know, to pick up that story. and. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was a heavy one, but it's it's a very necessary one, and also you know it that also shines a light a little bit on the you know on the addiction and the drug epidemic that's going on in in right. Los Angeles. Um, so uh, and that movie eventually also brought Zeb and I together because we met at Outfest, like when Ride to Try premiered and Jamel and Tim premiered at Outfest, and um, Drew, who he um, followed, like. I also interviewed him because he was a friend of Tim. So we interviewed him both, but like completely different storylines. So that's how we got together. And um, we've been a fan of each other's work. And um, we've always said that we wanted to work together. So once Zeb um, told me the story about Tim, I was, I was very intrigued. And um, he proposed to do a lunch. And uh, Tim is a great storyteller. So once, once Tim just opened his mouth, I was already on board. <laughs> So that's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Zeb has a lot of the star power from the couch, but you're not too bad myself. Your first film, you had Wade Davis, Jason Collins. I mean, talk about basketball greats and some things that very much for my audience, we'll call it sports ball. You can call it basketball. My audience is more the dodgeball kind of crap. But yeah, go ahead. Talk about that first. And the game face looked amazing. Uh, thank you. You know what? The Jason Collins thing is very interesting how he became involved. I remember I was already filming uh, Game Face uh, when he came out and he got like so much uh, press attention when he came out because he, you know, he was the first um, athlete in one of the major sports to come out during his career. And I remember reaching out to, I think, his publicist and it was I got that, you know, traditional uh, copy-paste answer back. Oh, this sounds like a great idea. However, he's not available. <laughs> right. And I was like, God damn it. I mean, I, I understood uh, as well because, you know, everyone wanted him at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to run into him at the airport or something probably. I promise you I was not stalking him. But what happened, <laughs> I ran into him at the airport. And we were actually on the same flight. and. Once I saw him, I I uh, walked up to him and I wanted to be cautious as well to be immediately like, oh, Jason, I need this from you. Or, the, you know, I just wanted to share him what I was doing and um, that I was following uh, th these two athletes, Fallon Fox and Terrence Clemens. And Terrence Clemens was also a basketball player. And I just wanted them to get to know each other uh, for Jason to give him to give Terrence advice while he was you know, figuring out his coming out journey. So we didn't talk about filming or nothing. I just wanted them to get connected. And once they got connected and they started talking a couple of times, that's when we, you know, um, asked if he, you know, if they wanted to meet for the first time in person on camera and he agreed to do it. And um, so that's incredible how that, how that eventually happened. Yeah. I love that. Believe me, as a entertainment podcaster that's never been on a show from the beautiful entertainment hub of Northeast Ohio, I understand how hard it is to get guests sometimes. So yeah, I understand that very well. Well, let's go ahead. I want to get into the film, Relighting Candles, Tim Sullivan's story. Let's start with a preview. We're going to talk about it on the other side. Guys, my very special guest today, we have Zebariah Newman here and Mikhail Thomas. We'll talk to you on the other side. Play, play, play. I'm here for a purpose. 
and that purpose is to help others. Fentanyl has become the number one killer of people between the ages of 18 to 45. I was sponsoring someone who wanted to make candles for Christmas. So I said, oh, I'll help you. And that's how it all began. I was able to recruit some people to help me. 69,000, that's how many people are homeless across LA County. It just kept building and building and building. The fentanyl crisis looks like a madhouse. The world feels like a war zone. I feel like they're my bones, and it kind of hurts me to see it. People have had to sleep here. They have come here high. We just let them work. If I can help in my little company, nothing better for me than that. And oh, another story. <clears throat> All right, guys, we are back. That was the trailer for this amazing short film, Relighting Candles, the Tim Sullivan story. Uh, Zeb, I believe you're the one that kind of first contacted Tim. Tell me how you heard about his story in the first place. Um, well, you know, being a, a member of the sober community in Los Angeles, Tim is really like an icon in that community. And it's a very sort of like anonymous community. So, you know, unless you're in it, you don't, you would never know him or the shop. Um, some of my, two of my closest friends uh, worked at that shop like 10 years ago and have both gone on to have really incredible lives. One is a television producer and one has, owns his own gym. Um, and they both do very well. And, you know, the thing that I, I always like to just mention is that like, you know, the longer you stay sober and the more your life sort of progresses, the less evidence of those harder times. There's really no trace of that in my life or their lives. But anyway, Tim was uh, an icon in the community. And I always thought that it would make a uh, incredible film. And when I, when I thought about working on it, I immediately thought of McKeel. And I, I just wanted to see if he was interested in maybe collaborating and uh, doing this together. Um, and it was, I, I remember saying to him, like, you know, it'll be a short, so we'll just, we'll start off slow. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see what it is. And um, from the very, very first time that he and I sat down to talk about this, it's been a very effortless, uh, wonderful collaboration. And Tim is, you know, Tim is the secret sauce, right? Like he has um, an, an amazing way of telling stories and cap captivating the audience and pulling them in and making them care. And, um, you know, as a um, older 83-year-old gay man walking around Los Angeles, there's not a lot of them. Most of them died from AIDS. And so he is sort of a unicorn in, in and of itself. And the fact that he is so visible and such a member of the, such a, a, a front-facing member of the community, um, it just was a no-brainer. But we did get very lucky that the workers at the shop the year that we filmed were incredible and very open. Um, and um, I'll let McKeel sort of talk about. I'm going to talk about that in a second because there's a couple of stories I definitely want to touch on. But Mikhail, talk about your first time meeting Tim and then talk about um, working with Zebariah. How did you guys kind of divide up the duties and everything? You guys are both both producers and directors. How did that uh, kind of workload share come about? Yeah, I remember having um, the lunch with Tim. And like I said, he was great. I was hooked from the first moment, but I also wanted to contain myself with asking too many questions because I wanted to ask him a lot of the questions for the first time on camera. And um, our first shoot, I think it was an eight hour day and we had more than four hours of, 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 um, of content because we really wanted to ask about everything we wanted to know about his whole life sure. and um and it was uh like it was great and you know in regards to dividing the tasks i remember like the first interview like we kind of did the questions a little bit together like i asked some questions zeb asked questions i did uh most of the camera work zeb also did camera work as well so it, it was most of, most of the shoots, like we were together. <laughs> Don't laugh, Zeb. 
Um, I'm most... camera. It's not a surprise. Oh. No, 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 no. Zev is great. No, but you know, we complete each other in in you know, like I'm more like technically and and like on the creative side. Zev is more of like the storytelling and and the production side. Um, I've mentioned this before. I don't know anyone who picks up their phone as fast as Zev or um, or replies to an email as fast. He's he's great. He has. Um, that's why, like, we we all complete each other very well. And then we worked with this great editor, Leah Turner, who's, you know, who was I call her Speedy Gonzalez. Everyone's fast <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. because she just turns around like those four hours of footage. She just turned that into an and and like less than an hour, and it only took her like a couple of days. Uh, so we really, you know, complement each other very well. It was like a well-oiled machine from the beginning. That's fantastic. And Zeb, you have the Rolodex from heaven. I mean, I've seen you've worked not only with um, Ben and Melissa at first, but you've worked with Octavia Spencer, who is the nicest person in all of Hollywood. I have very good friends who are very good friends with her. And of course, you have Shirley Ralph on an upcoming project we'll talk about. I mean, amazing to have these kind of people, but talk about specifically getting Melissa and Ben involved. That had to be kind of a dream come true. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I was a producer on The Late Late Show with James Corden, and, and I was Ben and Melissa's producer. I mean, I, I produced every single one of Melissa's appearances. And so over the years, I um, I just befriended these people. Like, you know, when you're producing yeah. someone and you're like, you're, they've been on like eight, nine times, you you just text with them and you, you have a shorthand, right? Because you've... Right. you've You've, you've done it so many times, you kind of know what they like, what they don't like, what they want to talk about, what they don't want to talk about. And um, so I, you know, approached their publicist, we have to always plug Melissa Cates, who is like, um, amazing. And she's, she said, Okay, well, I was going into their dressing room to brief Melissa on a segment. And she said, Okay, before you go in there, tell them about this project. And so I was so nervous, because I, I, I don't like I don't like asking people for things and I definitely don't like mixing, um, like crossing boundaries. Right. And so I, I, and Ben is like the most lovely chill, like just so cool. the absolute loveliest, but he's quiet. And so I was like very nervous because I was like, <laughs> does he not like this? Like, I, so I, I went in there and I started to pitch them and he scribbled on a piece of paper and he said, here's my personal email. When you get some footage, send it to us and we'll talk then. And so we filmed a little and then we put together a little rough cut, uh, not even a rough cut, just some string outs of some scenes. And I kid you not, less than an hour later, they called and said they were in and they have been they were the first people on our on our wish list of people we wanted to collaborate with. Um, they had uh, produced a film on Bob Ross that had come out like a year or two earlier. So they were in the documentary producing, you know, space. Um, and it has been like the most unbelievable collaboration with them. They designed candles for the candle shop. They've been, you know, they've done Q and A's with us. They've been, they're helping us negotiate a distribution deal. They're, they're just unbelievable. Yes. They're the candles. Oh, I they're, love that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just been, um, it's just been like a really incredible, you know, working relationship. And I, I, I'm just so grateful to James Corden and my time at the Late Late Show because I really was able to connect to people in a way that, um, you know, also the kind of movies that I make and that McKeel makes, they are kind of like social common. They're 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 human interest around a political issue. They're 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 kind of I don't want to say they're important, but they have they have a lot of meaning and depth to them. So it's it's very easy to approach a celebrity and say, hey, do you want to partner on this? And you know, people always want to help. And so um, you know, we got very lucky with Ben and Melissa and um we just every day we're just like we can't believe how it was it feels like divine intervention, you know. Well and I you know, obviously in your business, but there's so many of these people that do these projects you never hear of. I mean, Octavia has produced a lot of things. Uh, ben and Melissa have done a lot of different things. And you don't know about it until you get projects like these to come along where they'll, a lot of them don't even want to be in the press about it. So it's, let me give you some money, put my name on it to get some people involved. So that's so cool. Mikhail, I mean, you have kind of 
self-produce most of your things. You've had co-producers with you. Is it a little intimidating when you have names like this? Or is it just business as usual for you? Or what's it like kind of uh, when you attach yourself, when people attach that those kind of name power to your projects? Um, it can be. Like, I remember uh, my first film, I worked with a producer who um, started, like, I mean, I, I'm very collaborative, but it was it was becoming like it, it has to be his way or the highway, and that wasn't working out. Um, but you know, with with Ben and Melissa, it was great because you know they've been like like you said, you, they could have just put their name on it and we never hear from them again. Right. But they were very involved. They gave uh, feedback, but never like pushing. Always like. You know, they gave their ad advice or their thoughts, but they always, you know, there was always a mutual trust and they trusted us with the outcome and um, they've been great. And once it was finished, um, uh, we also organized a dinner and, and like uh, we all, I mean, I couldn't make it because I was in good old Belgium at that time. <laughs> um, but uh, Zeb and Tim and, and Ben and Melissa got together for, for a dinner and um, we've done a couple of Q&As together. So they've been... Yes, and they visited the candle shop. They they designed these signature candles that I just showed, and um, also to like to help the shop. So they've like it's a dream come true to have such collaborative um, producers on board. It's it's been amazing. They, I just so want to. Like, they were. Go ahead, go ahead, Zeb. I'm sorry. They really, from the beginning, they 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 tried in every way they could to help support our vision, right? So many of their notes, Ben's notes were like, we want to do what we want to support you. We want you to, we want you guys to like, you know, tell the story you want to tell, but um, here are our suggestions. You know, it was always very um, light and supportive and, you know, very kind. Right. And I mean, the, the film is very much about addiction and homelessness and everything, but it also has that LGBT kind of subtext underneath. And they've been huge supporters. They were part of the Pride Festival this year. I had a lot of friends that go to Outfest were so disappointed they couldn't make the final where they won the award, but totally understandable because that even shows more of their character. They stand up for their union. So, I mean, it just the character involved is amazing. So I love that. And the story, I mean, we've kind of hinted about it in the two trailers. I want people to see the whole thing because it's really only 20 minutes. So if we talk about it too much, we'll talk about the entire movie. But I mean, I think there's a really kind of funny line in the film where Tim talks about the reason he got into candle making was because he thought it'd be better than his friend that needed to make candles at the time, which I thought was cute. But then you think about the symbolism involved. Did you ever talk to him? It's like candles have such a symbolic meaning. You have People light it at church for people. You put it in your windows for member people and help them get back home. I mean, is was there ever a purpose about finishing the candles and making that as business? Did that ever get involved at all? Um, I think that he, it just kind of, you know, in a beautiful way, I don't think he had any um, plan. I think he just was helping a friend and one thing led to another, like in life, you know, like a lot of times in life, when you plan something, it doesn't really go the way you plan it, but being open to just sort of letting things, you know, unfold in a really beautiful way. That's kind of what happened with the candle shop. Cause I think if you had said to Tim, you know, when he started helping that friend with the four candles so that one day you're going to have a shop and you're going to help thousands of people get sober and you're going to work with all these celebrities and it's going to be this big thing. I don't think he would have ever even had the idea to, to know that that was a possibility. So right. um, it wasn't that premeditated. Amazing story. And we talked a little bit about the people in the shop. I mean, you got, like you said, that's kind of a big task. You're doing someone's life story and all of a sudden it becomes their life story, the employees. I'm officially putting on my business card, Daddy in Chief, the next time I order my business cards. Best <laughs> line, I think, ever. But I think one of the amazing things um, that you show that you don't see that often, especially when there's addiction and things, uh, I think with Evan and maybe Gannon, you kind of see their addiction pictures and thriving in the shop. And I thought... That was the most exciting thing to add to that film. That was amazing. Talk about your interactions with the staff of it. Um, yeah, like I, I was a little bit nervous, you know, uh, about doing those 
doing those interviews at the beginning because it's like you said, it's very vulnerable stories that we're asking them to to disclose. But one thing about that shop is it's kind of like like I think we mentioned before, kind of a safe haven, and everyone who enters in, it's kind of like they're part of that community, and and they they were very open to to sharing some of those stories. Also, um, you know, there's a moment of uh, Ray, for example, uh, standing on the edge of a ledge of his of his apartment building, thinking that he's going to jump when he's he's under influence, and we knew that that there was video out there um, from that moment, and we were. A little bit nervous, you know, of course, to to bring that to his attention. But when we interviewed him, he brought it up. And like a lot of the workers, you know, they also they they wanted to to bring that story out there so that people could learn from that as well. And at the beginning, we went back and forth also a lot of, you know, some of those pictures of the workers when they were still, um, you know, on, on the streets and. Uh, look completely different than than now in uh, in the shop that it might be like too graphic or too sensationalized but we came to the conclusion that it was necessary to show those pictures because that's real life that's who they were and we wanted to show we did we we don't we wanted to show how it really was and that was it very a difference important made in their lives personally i mean that's what i got from it so yeah definitely yeah. So. We also wanted to really under, underline the the stakes of this, right? Because watching earlier cuts and, and seeing these, you know, healthy, clean, well-fed, well-slept, showered guys making candles, it, it really kind of, it, we were missing the, the reality of like that their lives are on the line. You know what I mean? And that like just a few months prior, these people were, you know, they were literally homeless and and heavily addicted to drugs, and so we really wanted to um, underline the stakes of what's what's actually happening, the gravity of the situation, and them giving us those photos and those videos was really helpful to to hit that point. I didn't really want to have Tim on because the film just does his, it just gives him so much credit and it shows his life so beautifully. I don't think there's anything that I could add. And I'm going to put some links to some of the interviews you guys have done because between all of you, I think Tim's story really gets out there. But I do want to kind of talk about your personal part. That's one of the reasons I brought you on the show. Uh, you've shared so much already, Zeb, but I appreciate, I mean, you said in the interview that I saw you at that you had been rock bottom there. And this is kind of a partly your story. So talk about what yes, are you willing to share? In my twenties, I was, um, you know, I was a drug addict and, um, <clears throat> I was a homeless street junkie. I lived on skid row. I was, you know, addicted to heroin and crack and it was really, really bad. You know, I, um, I went through some really unbelievably painful, terrible, terrible, um, experiences because I just wanted to be high all day long. And, you know, there's a line in the movie where Evan says, you know, I was willing to be homeless if I got to do fentanyl all day. I, I've never done fentanyl. At, <clears throat> I don't know fentanyl, but I do understand that um, that headspace of the problem presenting itself as the solution, right? Like the solution is like just to stay high, but that's really just the problem, you know, and, right. you know, uh, getting sober and, and having uh, having my life sort of turn around and. Um, you know, has been uh, such a surprise to me, my family, um, you know, and I, that's the big takeaway from this film. I want people to really feel a sense of hope, right? That, you know, at any time, things can totally turn around. You know, there were times in my life where people literally would cross the street when they would see me. Like I was, um, I lived at this gas station across the street from the Staples Center in downtown Los Angeles, and I was invisible, right? And I remember many nights um, sitting on the street and watching people walk into the Staples Center. And these people were like going for work, they were on a date, they were with their friends. And I could, because I was invisible to them, I got to really watch them, right? And I think that a lot of my um, attraction to storytelling and to telling these types of stories come from that period where I was really like observing people in a way that I, um, I never would have had the opportunity to look at people in that way. And, you know, so I, for a lot of my thirties, I was kind of ashamed of my past. I'm not ashamed of it. I just didn't really talk about it, but you know, now that I'm in my forties, I, I just, I really embrace it. And I feel like, you know, thank God I survived it, but also like kind of thank God it happened because it gave, it gives me 
um, such a, a wealth of emotional experience. And also, you know, I, at any point in the day, no matter what is going on, I can tap into gratitude very easily. You know, Absolutely. like McKeel and I can talk like we can be super stressed trying to get things and, you know, pushing for things and waiting on things. But I can at any point in the day just sort of center myself and just like immediately be grateful for the fact that I am I am sleeping and eating and I am loved and I am sober and I am, you know, a, a, a member of my family and I have meaningful relationships and friendships and, you know, that I get to. Um, do this career that like is, you know, I, I love it. I just absolutely love it so much. And the fact that I get to do this is the greatest joy of my life, you know? So, and, you know, that's to be able to tap into that gratitude is, you know, a direct reflect, direct result of that really terrible time in my twenties. Right. And in the film, we see that Tim kind of had a self-discovery of his own there, and now he's helping other people. What was your turning point? Did you have someone reach out, or were you able to do your own self-realization as well? Um, I'm going to like be really vulnerable here. I had a stroke. <laughs> I had a stroke. And, uh, you know, and that kind of stopped me in my tracks. And, um, you know, I was paralyzed and it took me about a year to learn how to like walk and talk again. And, um, you know, it, it connected, reconnected me to my family and it, it, I mean, it's, it's really intense, but, um, you know, it's the greatest, um, surprise of my life that I survived it and that I'm getting to do this, you know, and that I get to like work with James Corden and, and work with all these like celebrities and, and live in Los Angeles and, um, and hang out with McKeel and make these incredible movies. Like, so I, um, you know, it was very dark and intense, but, um, you know, that's why I so relate to Gannon and the guys at the candle shop, you know, I'm rooting for them in a very visceral way. Like, um, because I, I, I know firsthand the power of a second chance and the power of change. And, you know, so it's a very important story to me. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. And Mikhail, I mean, you're in a different way. I mean, you're, you're not in a sober recovery person. You don't have a need for it, but you 22 years old, you're coming to an entire new country. You don't know anybody you're talking, you're kind of dealing with your own sexuality. I think basketball seemed like it was saving grace, but you had to kind of the same feelings in a different way of kind of trying to find a way to fit in or where you're at, you're a little lost in the world, maybe. Do you have any kind of, is that how you relate to this or what's your relatability? Um, yes. Like same thing with Tim, like Tim's line was, I was looking for a clean slate. And that is exactly how I felt. I was looking for a clean slate and not like, again, because I was very happy in Belgium. I love my family. I love my friends out there. Um, it was just, you know, a new setting can give like, it, it was just easier to, to discover myself. Um, and, um, I also remember, you know what, with, with social media, it, it, it's a, it's a love hate relationship back in the day when I, when I moved here, it was 2008, there was something called MySpace, uh, <laughs> and I reached out, um, to uh, an NBA player at that, uh, like, well, he retired at the time, John Amici. He was the first NBA player who came out as gay, but after his career. And I remember reaching out to him, sending him a long message saying, I didn't know what I was going to do, how I was going to come out. But like, I knew I had these feelings. I knew I loved basketball. And I just, I just wrote him like a long message. I don't know. Um, I should probably, I don't even know if it still exists, my space. I should, uh, uh, I would put you in my circle of eight or 10 or however many people it was. I don't remember, but, but the right, cool we got to wrap this up. I could talk to you guys all day long because I just think you guys are fascinating and I appreciate everything you do. Um, let's, let's see for a last question. Did you ever make a candle? Did you ever make a candle while you were filming? No, but I have, I have taken so many. I am, <laughs> I am such a candle. I love, I love, I, I love Christmas. I love candles and I love fentanyl, you know? So this was like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not into fentanyl, but I, um, I love candles. And so I, I have so many of these candles. <laughs> I know. I just, I just, like I just showed, I just ordered these, uh, signature candles from, uh, Ben and Melissa. So they, 
They're amazing. And like every time we go to the shop, Tim is like, here, take a candle, take a candle. So it's- I was hoping to have mine here in time because I ordered a Ben and Melissa candle when I, after I saw you guys last week. I did it for Small Business Saturday. I specifically did it hoping I could get it here by the interview. But shipping wasn't there. Maybe it's upstairs. I don't know. But, Maybe it's uh, Guys, amazing to have you on the show. I want you to let everyone know the the film itself has its own um, website, social media, I believe. And you guys have your own social media because I'm stalking you already because I'm just obsessed with you guys. But let everyone know where they can find the film, where they can find you guys. Well, we are in the very final stages of a distribution deal that has been going on for, you know, fingers crossed. So hopefully if you follow the Relighting Candles Instagram page in the next few days, you will see an announcement, hopefully, of where you can watch the film. Um, so follow the Relighting Candles Instagram page. And Mikhail, what's your personal, if you don't mind? Uh, my personal page is Michael Thomas 6 Um <laughs> And but Michael is spelled M I C H I E L. And you're Zeb? Uh, I'm Zeb Newman, Z E B N E W M A N at Instagram.com. I'm not on Twitter or anything or threads or anything like that. As you should not be. Who wants to be there very, anymore? Yeah, that's that, that's exactly. so much. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for coming on the Left of Straight show. Appreciate it. Stay on the line for me. Guys, you got to see this film if it becomes available. Follow the Instagram. You're really going to enjoy it. It's 20 minutes of your time, and it's going to change your life because it's a great story told fantastically by my two guests today, Zebariah and Mikhail. We're going to have a special five questions for them, so be sure to check for that next Tuesday. Thanks for popping into the Left of Trade Show. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.